There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Do you know, am I starting to hear common sense and the right kind of caution coming out of government. I think I might be very, very happy to hear what uh, what Pascal Donoghue is saying there this morning. Not that I'm happy that no one will be able to go out of the county on staycations for a while. Not that I'm happy about that at all. But not that they're going to make ridiculous decisions based on what's being called for. They're going to wait and see how safe the situation is. My God, we've been looking for them to do this for a year now. And again, Ronan Lynn last night saying, look, you know, let's not make any quick decisions. Let's stick with the facts here. We're going to be looking after our movements. We're going to be washing our hands. We're going to be covering our faces. We're going to be keeping our distance for months to come yet months to come and also what's happening is this new uh, document we're going to get in the next week or so they're saying that won't be based on dates that's the best news they've given us in months they're actually starting to listen to sense because if you give us dates and the evidence is there now if you give us dates then people get excited coming up to the day do you remember for example all of the fuss about pennies and them all all the other shops reopening last June the queues around the corner we need to avoid that again so that's good news, and we'll have more on that, I guess, as we go through the next couple of days. Also good news, and the one thing people have asked us for in covering this topic in the last few months, particularly during this lockdown, is, PJ, please give us a bit of hope. Please give us a bit of positivity. Please give us a bit to smile about in the mornings. Well, I've got them. The numbers for Cork are going in the right direction, and they're going there quickly. We've lots more work to do, but we're doing really really well Cork we have we have actually knocked down our numbers by seven eighths in one month I'll give you the numbers in a little while good morning sorry I'm going off on a bit of a rant there 1850 the number text to whatsapp 083 396 96 96 and the email opinion at 96fm.ie as I said I give you those numbers a little bit later on they're, they're very very good well, relatively speaking, obviously, nothing like we were last summer, but they give me certainly personally confidence that we can get there. We absolutely can get there. Also, our competition continues for one more day with Clayton Hotel Cork. Uh, get those chat up lines into me. I'll give you all the details in a while. 83 396 96 96. As we listen to daily numbers, as we hear about vaccinations, as we now hear there'll be five public vaccination centres in Cork and 
we'll have lots of other vaccinations through GPs and maybe through pharmacies in the fullness of time. We also hear worrying things about the variant. For example, the, the British variant, to call it that. The British variant is now causing 75% cases in this country. And it's it's making people get sicker. And it's more infectious. We hear about the South African variant, the Brazilian variant, this, that and the other variant. And the worry is that something will happen with coronavirus that makes it vaccine resistant. That's the last thing we want is a mutation of the coronavirus that makes it vaccine resistant. They're already a little bit worried about the South African one to the point where they have stopped using AstraZeneca's vaccine in South Africa for now because they think that that might not be any use against the uh, their, their own variant, but they're working on it. AstraZeneca say they will adapt and change as, as they need to. But a great article in the Times over the weekend, written by a regular contributor to this programme over the last year, and glad to have him with us again, Professor Kingston Mills. Kingston, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Your article was very hopeful, Kingston. It said, new variants will hinder but not stop our battle. In simple layman's terms, explain. Okay, so, um, I mean, the really good news over the last, I suppose, month or two has been the the data coming from, first of all, the clinical trials showing that these vaccines do really work very effectively, up to 90%, 95%. And more recently, in the last week, data coming out of Israel showing that Israel has been the best country in the world in terms of the rollout of the vaccine. They've got nearly half their people vaccinated. And what that is showing, that the vaccine is really working in the in everyday use, that, that, that it's reduced the numbers of people with COVID-19 by 94% in those that have been vaccinated. So that's, that sort of equates very well with the efficacy of the Pfizer vaccine, which is the one they're using in Israel. Yeah. So that's really good news. What wasn't such good news was that um, some of the evidence that the new variants, in particular the South African variants, but probably the Brazilian variant, and also a new variant um, that has just arisen in the UK. Now, there's a UK variant, which was called the Kent variant, yes. which is what we have here, and it's 75%. But there's another new one, which has taken on a mutation that's similar to what was in the South African-Brazilian one. That was identified in Bristol and Southeast England um, last week. And that one, because it's a bit like the South African one, is a worry. And what happened with the AstraZeneca vaccine in South Africa, it just effectively didn't work against the South African variant. That's what mm. they showed. Now, the other trials were more promising. There was a company called Novavax and another company, Johnson & Johnson, who had uh, uh, vaccines that had higher overall efficacy. And they were able to deal with the variant, but maybe not quite as effectively as the original virus. Yeah. So there is a slight worry that the variants may have um, you know, caused a problem for, for some of the vaccines. When we use the word variant, maybe we again get a simple layman explanation yeah. of what is what is a variant? What changes in the virus that causes us to worry? Okay, so when a virus gets into the human body, it gets inside cells. It needs to be inside a human cell to multiply. And when it gets inside a cell, it multiplies very rapidly and very effectively. When that is happening, it has to replicate its nucleic acid. And when it does that, sometimes mistakes are made and and that introduces mutations. And those mutations in the code um, that are coding for the proteins on the virus make a change to the structure, a very small, subtle change 
to the sequence of the, the amino acids that are in that protein. And they can then um, um, result in a virus that's more infectious. Right. And that's because what happens is the virus is a spike protein that binds to a receptor mm. and it selects for ver- versions of the virus. They have a selective advantage. If they're able to bind tighter to the receptor, that virus is going to survive better than the one that... I suppose if we break it down in, in, into words that John and Mary Soap understand, the vaccine, if we imagine it as a ball with sticky bits, the sticky yeah. bits change. Is that what it is? Exactly. And if you, if the sticky bit changes. Now, if the sticky bit um, is, becomes more sticky, it can stick better to its receptor. Yeah. And what the antibody does, it stops that interaction between the sticky bit and the receptor. But if that sticky bit has changed, the antibody is no longer able to recognize it. Sure. And that's what's called escape from immunity. And that, that's can very we vary extreme. vaccines to catch up with that? Sorry? Can we vary vaccines to catch up with yes, that? Yes, absolutely. And so that's what, exactly what the companies are doing right now. They're going away and redesigning their vaccines to, to accommodate uh, the, 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 the key changes that have occurred in the South African, Brazilian, and now the, this Bristol variant. So they're already making these vaccines. And they only take, it's only going to take them six weeks to make them. Now, they will have to spend a little bit longer time testing them. They won't have to go through the phase three efficacy testing because effectively it's the same vaccine but it's just a different uh, sequence in it yeah. and they will be able to show hopefully that they're they're safe to use and then there'll be what we'll be looking at is boosting people that have already got the original vaccine with a new vaccine mm-hmm. and people who haven't been vaccinated might get a cocktail where they get the, uh, the original sequence plus the new sequence so this is all achievable yes. i mean the wonderful thing about the modern technology of vaccine development it is so versatile and efficient compared with where, where it was um, a decade or two ago yeah. so you can do this very readily now yeah the science and i can only describe the science as stunning it is. It's absolutely amazing. And, and the point that I made in that article on Saturday was this, this isn't something the companies have done in a year. This is on the back of decades of research that has gone on in universities and other places to, to understand how you can generate these types of vaccines why they need to be made in a particular way to protect you. It is absolutely amazing that so many vaccines have worked. Nobody would have predicted, I wouldn't have predicted mm. that so many of them would have worked, to be like, honest. We now have three of them in the Irish market. Presumably J&J will get licensed. That's going to be a game changer because it's a single dose and you can keep it in the doctor's fridge. And, and then we might have a fifth one. Well, actually, I think the fifth one is going to be the game changer. Really? What's the yeah. fifth one? Yeah, I mean, the Novavax vaccine is, um, I don't like using that word because it's always a hostage to fortune yeah. saying something's going to be a game changer. And, and a way, in a way, we got called but out here. As a then, scientist, you're excited by Novavax, put it that way. I'm very excited by it because I looked at the data that came out of the preclinical data and the data from the phase one trials. And in terms of generating these neutralizing antibodies, this was the best vaccine at doing it. And it, it, it's, it's based on tried and tested technology, which has been used before. For example, the HPV vaccine, mm. the hepatitis B vaccine, they've all used the similar technology. So it's tried and tested. It's not maybe as versatile as the mRNA that Pfizer and Moderna have used, but it is still easy to change the vaccine vaccine if they need to. And in fact, that company is already changing or making wow. a new version of it, even though they don't have their vaccine license in Europe yet. That's how yeah, rapidly yeah. the is, is, is the going. work in the labs, Professor, is that happening at a pace that can get a hold of the variants at this stage? 
Yes, it is. And, and, and there's a lot of other work going on. Like, for example, um, one of the issues that we're still not 100% clear on is whether the vaccines can prevent transmission of the, of the virus. Mm. So if, if we know for certain that they prevent COVID disease, and that's fantastic. It means that people that get vaccinated, there's very little chance they're going to get severe COVID or end up in hospital so, or die. And that's what's going to happen once people get vaccinated. The death rate will go right down to, to very low levels mm-hmm. from, from this um, um, uh, virus. That in itself is a mercy. Are we looking at a situation in which, and I've been watching a marvellous documentary series on Netflix about how they're trying to develop a universal flu vaccine that will almost adapt to, to the adaptations, and that's very exciting technology too. But are we looking at this point, Professor, with a vaccine that we may have to get, at least the vulnerable among us may have to get annually? Well, I'd say that um, we'd have to get periodic periodic boosters, that's for sure, to accommodate any changes in the variants. Because one thing we have to remember, you know, Ireland and, and developed countries in Europe and North America will um, vaccinate most of their population this year. And they will then, uh, you know, significantly reduce the spread of the virus, significantly reduce deaths, etc. But there's a lot of countries that can't afford to buy these vaccines and they just simply won't vaccinate their population this year. And, you know, it could be next year or the following one before they're fully vaccinated. So what, mm. the big risk then is re-importing the virus. If, if, if you're going to, especially if those are variants that are different than the ones that were originally circulating. So we're going to be looking at um, trying to make sure that once we get down to, you know, a, a situation where we're back to sort of normality, yeah. that we don't end up re-importing. And I, I read yesterday, which was extraordinary, that New Zealand, which was COVID-free for several months, Months, just had two cases yesterday. Yeah, they've got the. It's actually three, and and they've, three, it, yeah. it's, it's the British one, and they've imposed a seventy-two hour lockdown on, on Auckland. We were covering it yesterday. Is there such a thing as Sinopharm? I know is another company working on what they call a, a whole of vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, whole virus vaccine. This is even more traditional technology. If you look at something like the, the polio virus vaccine that we're currently still using, because polio is almost eliminated thanks to vaccination, but it's very close to it. And um, they use an inactivated whole virus vaccine, very, very effective vaccine, which is with, together with another version of it, which was, a, which was an attenuated one before it. Yes. They, they're based on the whole virus, and they're extremely effective, and they've effectively eliminated polio from the globe. So that approach was used by a lot of the Chinese companies and they have licensed now a number of these and the data from some of them look really good as well yeah. as well as that the, the Russian one which um, people had been dubious about Sp- initially Sputnik, yeah. Sputnik. Um, people were dubious because it was out of Russia and they didn't trust what was going on there but I have to say when I saw the data in the Lancet published about two weeks ago it looked fantastic yeah. and it really looks like it's a very good vaccine as well so it's extraordinary the success of this so it's a, it's a real positive I have to say in the, in the, in the midst of all the gloom um, mm. about uh, and we you know we, we all want to get back to some sort of normality I, I, I think that this has been the, the real positive of the whole thing the, the vaccine the speed of the rollout of course yeah. is, is, is what's bothering some people but I think I think it's fair to say that as more come on stream and more are licensed, we will get more opportunity. Exactly. And, uh, you know, the, I mean, I, I, I predict we'd have six vaccines in Ireland uh, by April wow. available to us. So, 
So, you know, that, that, that means that we, you know, supply should then stop being an issue. It currently is an issue in terms of getting enough um, doses of vaccines to immunise everybody. But right. by, by, by April, if we have six vaccines, well, then by the, the end of the summer, we should have should every adult vaccinated. And then it's, it's, it's going to be vaccinating the children. Yeah, you wrote in the step. Times about that. Vaccinating children is a bit more complex, is it not? Well, it's just that yeah, right now, none of the companies have tested the safety of these vaccines in under, some of them have done them in 17 and 18 year olds, but nobody, nobody's under a 16 year old or under. They're doing these trials right now, and I'd be optimistic that it will show um, that it's effective and safe in children. Mm-hmm. If it is, then they can start um, immunising children, but that'll be a few months before those okay. tra- trials are complete. So again, later this year, once the whole adult population is vaccinated, hopefully, in, in countries like Ireland, we can then think about vaccinating um, initially secondary school uh, children, then eventually primary. I think I've asked you this question before, but I think it's important to maybe restate it. Some people are, are nervous, Professor, about the speed with which vaccines have come to the market. And I guess they're nervous about, has it been rushed is it that they've been done extremely quickly because of this, because of science or because of the cutting of red tape or what is it? Yeah, I mean, there's a huge number of answers to that question. I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, first of all, the companies have thrown huge amounts of money and indeed government and the National Institute of Health and State have put billions into this. Some of the charities like the Gates Foundation have put billions into it. So, you know, they, build, they were building factories to make vaccines before they had, you know, the vaccine worked, which was unheard of. The, the companies themselves were investing hugely in it. And the, the scientists, every, I mean, like, if you, if you just look at the number of people that that are now working on COVID-19. I mean, I have this um, um, program which alerts me every Monday morning all the papers that are published in a specific area. And, that you know, I was getting sort of 10 a week at the beginning. Now I'm getting 1,000 papers a week being published on COVID-19. This is showing that the the scientists around the world, not just in the companies, are all helping with the cause by working on this, figuring out various nuances to it. And and then then that's that's helping in the design of not just vaccines, but also therapies. That's the other thing. I mean, therapies are now working much better than they used to. They know how to deal, but people are still dying, I I know, but, but the numbers are or lower than they would have been thanks mm. to the new approaches for treatment. I know that scientists don't like making predictions because they only like to deal with the data in front of them. Yeah. But we're now coming into the first anniversary of the first case in the Republic of Ireland and we are longing for, and I suppose you too are in fairness, Professor, you're longing for your life back. You know, I certainly are. How, how long before we can start to take our lives back a little bit? Well, you know, I, 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 again, I'd be very careful about making predictions. Yeah. Now, okay, so this is the, you have to break it down into steps. If you look at the fact that we hope to have the by the middle of April all the over seventies um, vaccinated, then you know the debt rate. But the over in the over 65s is, accounts for 90% of deaths. So the debt rate will have gone down substantially by the end of April, in my in my view. The numbers of cases are still worryingly high. At you know, it's 800 a day. Dublin is still Cork's a bit better than Dublin. Um, you know, some of the border counties still not great um, on a numbers of cases per hundred thousand, which is the case the, the figure you really need to look at. And if you look at those statistics, a, a lot of the cases more than half of them are in the younger population. So we're still getting significant transmission this far in the younger population. That's not 
not going to change with the vaccine immediately because they're not going to get the vaccine. Mm. What is going to change is that it, the hospitals, the healthcare workers are going to be safer. The people in the nursing homes are, are not going to get infected. The people going into those nursing homes are not going to get infected. Then we need to move to the, the really key industry areas like the meat factories and the, the people working in food processing units, all the high-risk areas. Once those are vaccinated, then the risks of, of huge spreads is reduced. But it really will be the summer before um, a significant portion of the general population get vaccinated. And then we'll see the real impact on, together with the fact that it seems like there may be an element of summer, winter to this virus. Seasonality, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, combined with the vaccine, the fact that summer will come in a couple of months, I'd be very optimistic that come June, May, June, that we'd be in an awful lot better place, an awful lot better place than we are now and probably better than we were last year. So so I'd be optimistic. But we need to get our population vaccinated before the autumn uh, hits us. And if if we can do that, we're in a very good position. All right, listen, it's it's a pleasure to talk to you once again on the Opinion Line on Course 96. And thank you very much, Professor Kingston Mills, Professor of Experimental Immunology at at Trinity College in Dublin. Kingston, thank you so much for being with us again today. Very positive science-wise this morning. Let me give you those numbers, all right? Because last evening we heard for the first time since the 21st of December. Yeah, that's like seven weeks, is it now? Six, seven weeks. The first time since the 21st of December we had no death announced last evening. Now, that's not to say we won't have more, but we had no death announced yesterday for the first time since the 21st of December. This is nationally. We had 821 new cases confirmed. There are 849 people currently in hospital and 158 of them are in intensive care. So those numbers which were at crisis point when we started our new year on the opinion line, early January, those numbers were at crisis point and rising. They're now come down slightly from crisis point and they're dropping. And that is good, good news. Let's look at Cork, though, because I've been doing these numbers now for months and I used to do them on a Monday. For some reason, I've started doing them on a Tuesday because you've more data on a Tuesday. So I think we might, might move it to Tuesdays from now on. And... So in the last 14 days here in Cork, we've had 804 cases, new cases confirmed, 804 in Cork in the last 14 days. That's 161 per 100,000 of us. Yesterday, we only had 26. That's our lowest in Yonks. So 161 per 100,000 in the last 14 days across Cork City and County. Last week, that number was 244 per 100,000. So we've come down well in a week. We've come down from 244 to 161 per 100,000. Now that's a drop. Very, very basic maths of about a third in a week. That's brilliant. Like that is brilliant. But here's the news. Last month, this is what date is it? It's the uh, 16th of February. On the 16th of January, our fortnightly figure, our 14-day figure for Cork was, are you ready, 6,547. So in a month, we've gone from 6,547 down to 804. Well done, Cork. Well done, Cork.
That was a 1,309 per 100,000 a month ago, down to 161 today. It's an eighth of where we were. It's 88% down. Take a bow, Cork. You're getting there. Slow. And the next bit is the hardest bit, but you're getting there. Take a bow. 1850-715-996. Get those entries into me then for our giveaway with the Clayton Hotel in Cork. An overnight stay in a superior river view balcony room. Dinner for two in the Globe Restaurant and Bar. And complimentary access to Club Vitae with its 18-metre pool. Silly chat-up lines. All right, silly chat-up lines. And we'll send you off to the Clayton Hotel Cork. Winner of Best Cork Hotel 2020 by Cork Business Association. Very pleased with you, Cork. Well done. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Oldies and Irish on Cork's 96FM is the big Sunday show on your radio. Turn it up and take it easy with the best music mix for your Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Welcome along to the program. Lovely to be with you on a Sunday morning. Oldies and Irish with Dario Callahan. Sundays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With Hidden Hearing, tuning you in so you don't miss a thing. And we've been doing it for over 30 years. Hiddenhearing.ie. Cork's 96. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. So it's good to see those numbers coming down. We have a lot of work to do, and the next few weeks will be tougher much tougher because that's the nature of it as they have been telling us since the start. Mike Ryan from WHO and many others have been telling us from the start it's harder to finish the reduction than it is to start it. The the ninety Getting down the numbers by 80-90% that's the easy bit. It's getting them down the rest of it is the hard part. But we're doing great. I'm very happy today to look at those numbers and look at those graphs. Very happy. 1850-715-996. Another place, though, where numbers are going down, and it's not necessarily in a good way because it means that people are not coming forward with their complaints, is at the sexual violence centre where the, the numbers attending sexual assault treatment units or, or actually making a complaint about a sexual assault is down. When Mary Crilly, you know they're not actually down, it's just the reporting is down. Good morning. Good morning, and thank you for this. I mean, this is just really a gentle call out to people who have been raped or have been sexually assaulted, who may fear going to the guards or going somewhere because of COVID regulations. Yeah. Because I was told by a GP last week, that really horrified me on Thursday, where she said she knew of young people or older women even, and men, who were afraid to report because they were either outside the 5K limit or because maybe they were at a party or maybe in a neighbour's house where they shouldn't have been. You know, very often it's not the party stuff and they feel they might get struck because of that. Yeah. So contact the guards. I contacted, like, I was on to Assistant Commissioner Mick Finn and to um, our really good friend Barry McPolin and they both assured us that nothing would happen to people to have no fear. So we just have started a small campaign, you know, in that don't let COVID silence you. Because I think it's appalling when something happens, but then if you're pushed with this added fear or if the perpetrator said to you, 
you can't report because you're going to trouble. We just want to say, please come forward, even for the examination, even if you don't um, report it. Like, say, over the last quarter, we would have had nearly 90 people making contact with us. Okay. Now, during COVID, that's, that's quite high, but lots of them are afraid to go forward and get examined. We do try and really encourage that, even if they is, don't Is get it that they're afraid, Mary, that they went out Saturday night, they met some people, okay, they shouldn't have. They went out, they met some people... Something happened to them and they're afraid that if they go to the guards or report it to a clinic that someone will tell them, well, you were outside your 5K or you went to a house party, that's what happens. Exactly. Or even if they went into a neighbour's house where they shouldn't have been, you know, because it does happen in that kind of way where, yeah. you know, people are really getting caught when they go into some friend's house because, you know, a lot of people are feeling quite lonely and quite isolated and that they've been struggling them because of that and they might be named, you know, if they get a fine for a COVID thing in a court, they might be named or whatever. No, it gets so exaggerated when you've been through that trauma and you have been raped and the fear of even acknowledging to yourself that I've been raped outside of everything else really exaggerates everything that you need to think you're being hauled off to prison. Whereas the guards are really saying, please contact us. We really want to help you. We really want to stop this. And the Saturday unit um, in the South Infirmary Hospital are only waiting there to examine people. Well, I'll give the details to, out of that in a minute. And to give them a clear bill of health, hopefully, and examine for SDIs. Like people are still coming in here and the more than welcome to come in here. But I suppose I've always felt medical um physical examination needs to come first because okay. you don't want to wake up in a few months' time and have some infection or a lot of these have really wonderful partners, you know, and I'd have to say to them on the phone, Look, you can't be intimate with your partner, he needs to know about this. Yeah. And that can be a double shock for them, but it is it is, it is the fact that it is reality. So it's just really a gentle reminder yeah. to people that you matter so much and please come and tell somebody and get examined. Nobody is going to judge you for where it happened. Not at all. Not at all. Not at okay. all. Okay, that's so important to get across, Mary. Thank yeah. you very much. I'll give the details as well. And uh, thank of the you so much for yeah. Always a pleasure, Mary. Good to talk to you. Thanks very much. Mary Crilly, Director of the Sexual Violence Centre. If anything happened to you, in the last while, and, and you'd like to get checked out, nobody will judge you for over where it happened. Yeah, we might give out to people for going to parties. We might give out to people for going outside their 5K. But if you did any of that, or even if you only went to visit your neighbour and something went wrong, no one's going to judge you. No one's going to care. Because all they'll care about is you've been assaulted or raped. So, the South Infirmary Hospital, the unit there, they call it the SATU, they're available weekdays, uh, 8 to 430 at 021-492-6297 021-492-6297 there is an out of hours number which like an idiot I've forgotten to print I'll get it for you and, uh, and I'll tell you what it is and it is 4926100 4926100 that is the out of hours 24-7 7 days a week contact number for the sexual assault treatment unit at the South Infirmary Hospital. 492-021-492-6100. By day, from 8 to half 4, it's 492-6297. And of course, the Sexual Violence Unit, or Mary's Sexual Violence Centre, have a free phone. Uh, 1-800-496-496. 1-800-496-496. 185715996 it's it's one of the funniest shows on telly um if you sit down to watch it and it you'll find yourself cringing and curling your toes at the very thought like if you're a parent like I am 
right? The very thought of going out trying to find a boyfriend with your son or your daughter. It's the maddest, craziest, daftest concept of a show. But pulling with my parents is a massive hit. It's a massive hit. And it's very, very funny. It can be very, very funny. And uh, Laura Jane, LJ, you're on it tonight, I think. Good morning. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm very well. When are you? When, when were you on or when are you on? I was on last night, PJ. I missed last it last night. night. I was watching another show. Yeah, okay. So, so you, now you've been traveling a bit. So you were in Amsterdam and you were in Australia and you were in Toronto. But you've That's come right. back to Cork and you're now getting your parents to help you find love. <laughs> Tell me the story. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I came back from um, living in Amsterdam around this time last year, actually. And sure, I had nowhere to go, only back to my family home. And my mother then was constantly on to me. She was like, you'd want to move on and move out now because I came out of a 10-year relationship. So she was like constantly looking at fellas for me on walks up the mountains and stuff. And I was like, oh, for God's sake, mom, it's not that easy. Like, and <laughs> 10 years like, is a big commitment. I mean, you're only 29. <laughs> She thinks it's just as easy as walking up to some fella and saying you go on a date. And I'm like, mother, no. <laughs> so I had to like kind of show her how hard it is. And then when the show came up, I was like, this is a great opportunity now to kind of see if she can actually like be put up to the task and find me someone. So herself and my uncle decided to take over my Tinder and look for someone on real life to pulling with my parents. <laughs> I know. I don't know what I got myself into PJ like. I don't know what I'd be thinking half the time, but sure, it was a bit of crack anyway. Like you have your idea, and they have theirs. They do. What did your mother think? Well, my, my mother, she's, I'd say she'd take anyone, PJ. I'd say she's at that stage now in her life for me, because I'm 29 now, and she's like, you're pushing Man, you're on. you're 29. Like, you're not some kind of old bedraggled old spinster. I, Come on. I know, like, I'm... I'm a young one, really. I yes, you're only a child. <laughs> but no, I think she's she's um she really wants me to find someone and settle down. Even though I told her it's probably not going to happen. Farmer with road frontage, like that's the thing, PJ. And like I don't understand these concepts, you know. And I'm like, I'm happy the way I am with whatever I have, like you know. So. Yeah, she'd be the tall, dark, and handsome kind of criteria, you know, for anyone really, for myself. Yeah. The reading um, out of the Tinder messages on the air, though, is the thing. Oh, stop it, PJ. You'll have to watch it. I wasn't sending those messages at all. It was someone else that had my Tinder, and they were sending really dirty messages, and it wasn't me at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the dog at my homework. <laughs> Sorry, but teacher, the dog yeah. at my homework. It wasn't me. No, Are I... And nobody's believing me. And if Mammy wasn't maybe listening, would you say the same? <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how did it go? You, 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 you did well, I think, out of it, didn't you? I did very well, PJ. I had two lovely dates, and they were both really nice. Mm. And I picked one of the lads for a second date, mm. and he turned up, PJ, and he had a big, massive bouquet of flowers. I couldn't get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was wooed. <laughs> I was wooed. Ooh, and who is this guy and where is he from? 
So Davide from Cork. Davide. Oh right. This isn't this isn't a David with notions like. No. This is a Davide, right. Okay. <laughs> In other words, people change their names like Davide. What? Yeah, or Flynn. Sounds, All right, fine. <laughs> it sounds very kind of um, he's in the spotlight because he's he's an actor, you see. So he's, <laughs> he's um, half Italian and a big strapping young fella. Oh, bit of a stallion. <laughs> an Italian stallion. <laughs> half Italian, anyway. <laughs> yeah, so. We From Belly Hass. Oh, yeah, they found him out in Bally half a day because I was in Mallow. So they went out there without me looking for a lad. And they found Davide out there throwing axes. Throwing axes. Okay. So you have a hatchet-flinging, half-Italian, semi-boyfriend, Roger Flowers, out of this show. I suppose you could say that. That's the way, one way of putting it. <laughs> well, hatchet-flinging, half-Italian, and he bought you flowers. Yeah. Could this you know, could this go somewhere? It didn't, PJ. No, unfortunately, there was a friend zone thing happening all around. So, unfortunately, oh dear. who was friend zoning? You or him? Um, I'll have to leave that up to you now when you watch the show yourself. I will, yeah. I will, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I'm still single anyway, so there was no success from it really. Right. I haven't been with anyone since. Right. So I think the whole thing on, on being online is just a bit traumatising for me. Yeah. So On a serious just, note, though, Laura Jane, like, a 10-year relationship, coming out of that in your 20s, that kind of yeah. does leave you wary, doesn't it? It does, PJ. And you'd be kind of, you'd be felt out of the loop. I felt completely lost coming out of a 10-year relationship. I'd never been on these dating apps now, like that are there now. And because of COVID then, there was no dating in real life as such. Yeah. So just online. That was my only option. And it's probably the worst option to have. So it wasn't good. It just hasn't been a great year for single people. So that's why I kind of was saying, you know, it's a good year to be like embracing being sim- single and kind of work on, you know, yourself and enjoying being on your own and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Well, will we? You enjoyed your experience, as I said. I, to be honest, it's my it's my fault. I wrote the wrong date down, so I thought you were on tonight, not last night. So I'd have to go back at the player and have a look. Yeah, RTE player, you'd be able to have a I look will. up there now. I will. All right. Listen. So, is it back to the drawing board? Yeah. <laughs> will you create a new drawing board there for me, PJ, and put out a a lonely heart segment for me? <laughs> Yeah. All right, listen, look, look after yourself and good luck. Thanks a million, TJ. See you later. Take care. That's Laura Jane Rahali, she gas woman. She, I thought, flip it, man. I'm all over the place with dates. I thought she was on last night, or tonight. She's on last night, but I'm on the player. But she met up with, get this, Davide, a half Italian, hatchet flinging, belly hassman. And it didn't work out. I wonder what part of that didn't work. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. 
subject to, to restrictions on who they can rent to yeah. now? They are allegedly subject to people who they can they should only be renting them to people who are esteemed to be essential workers and that's the only people that should be availing of the Airbnb option. But what we're actually seeing is it's becoming a weekend phenomenon that Airbnb properties have been rented for a two or three night period over a weekend in locations of runic uh, scenic or rural areas mm. and they're just escaping for the weekend and the only way we can deal with this and I was a bit blunt with the ministry yesterday about this is to have the Airbnb website taken down showing the level 5 restrictions it makes no sense to have thousands of properties up for letting during the middle of a level 5 restriction nobody wants to go anywhere nobody should be going anywhere 
Mm. You see, if you do that, Tim, and it sounds like a radical thing to do, if you do that, you have to take down other setting other sites as well like holiday lettings or trip advisor have a load of ways to book stuff so you can't really do it for one you'd have to do it for them all like when i go to dublin right and unfortunately i go to dublin for one night every week i have to show where i stay in, in the hotel my eroctus badge and why i'm up here yes and i it's a really dare i'll tell you what i'm looking to get a room at times right because they're so diligent to make sure they're not on a holiday make, right? But that logic isn't applied to any Airbnb setup that I've seen because there's nobody actually standing over it. Yeah. Airbnb haven't stepped out here and said what they're doing. You look up the website, you will link to the national website. Like Airbnb have a real responsibility to make sure, like the rest of society, they're playing the game when it comes to level five. Yeah. I don't think they're doing that. In fact, I know they're not doing that. They're doing the exact opposite. They're so you're suggesting that before anybody books an Airbnb, there must be some way to verify that they are genuinely an essential worker on essential business. Absolutely. That's the minimum. How is that think, done, Tim? Well, I think it's gone beyond that because I don't trust that process at the moment. I think at the moment, well, it has to happen now. And I, mean, and I know you might think it's radical. For the for the next three or four weeks, Airbnb should not be operational. Like it doesn't make sense. But how then would you deal with the essential workers that are genuinely booking it? Then, if you look at like Dunleavy and all, this is Dublin, right? You go to Dublin, there's about maybe five percent of hotels opened. They will only take your booking with essential um, verification that you're actually going to actually work up here for that two days or one day, depending on how long you're up Or an essential medical appointment or something. Yes, something of that nature. There's no verification of any nature happening at Airbnb. It's book online, away you go, happy out. And like, on the other side of it, who goes away for an essential worker turned to Kim Sale for a Saturday and Sunday night? Yeah. There's nobody doing that. Like, yeah. they're just... There's a, there's a logic here. Do you know what, Tim? Between this now and, and uh, the dentistry in Tenerife and a few more things, aren't we part of our own problem, really? The way we... If you, if you compare what we do with the way New Zealand is, Jacinda Ardern just went snap and they're shut down in Auckland for three days, no questions asked. Whereas we're looking for ways around every rule... Don't we need to look into ourselves? Airbnb, fair enough, but look at ourselves, looking for ways around every single regulation. Yeah, personal responsibility is the key thing in this entire thing. And look, you know what happened in Kinsale to Seven Lads. That's very, very well talked about. But that's happening at different levels throughout the entire pandemic issue. And 99.9% of people are doing a fantastic job. And I realise people are getting frustrated. But it's the, it's the rest of them are putting the rest of us in danger. That's the problem. Absolutely. All right, Tim, I'm going to leave it there for no reason other than time. You believe that a website, the Airbnb, and others like it, thanks, Tim, should be forced to shut down now for a period of three to four weeks. One caller said the website can be taken down. There can be a ruling made by the government. Big companies would have to comply. If a smaller company doesn't, they can be blocked. An alternative login portal for essential workers can be set up. That's actually a very good idea, that you'd have a separate portal that's a great idea. Will we do it? Have we got the cajones to do it? Lads, it's going to take them. I was reading this this morning with my head in my hands. It's going to take them, and I meant to say this to Tim, until nearly March.
early March to have the law drawn up on quarantine in hotels. That's two weeks. So in the intervening period, people can come in from the four corners of the world without quarantining in a hotel. Two weeks. They did it in two days in Australia and New Zealand. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1857-15996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696, email opinion at 96fm.ie. Twitter is at opinionline96. Of course, the hashtag there is OL96. And get us through Facebook, Cork, Cork's 96fm Facebook page, pop us a message. And of course, uh, put it for the attention of the opinion line, which means it's easier for us to get it then when the show isn't on the air. If you missed anything in the first hour, then you can catch up with our podcast, which we put up there mid-afternoon, early to mid-afternoon. Watch for Twitter, follow us on Twitter, that's where you'll get it first. Or if you go into any one of your podcast platforms and subscribe, it'll be automatically updated for you during the afternoon. And of course, you'll get it too on the 96FM app podcast the full show and if you are listening to us on the podcast if you're one of the people who downloaded particularly our overseas listeners of whom we have an increasing number and delighted to see best way to contact us if you are listening to the podcast is via opinion at 96mm.ie let me go to talk to a Glenworth woman who honestly never thought that what has happened could happen Good morning to you, Nula. Morning, how are you? Good. You never, ever thought that you'd be a mammy. Yeah, <laughs> big, big surprise for us all. Tell me the story. Um, so basically, a few years ago, um, I got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and um, I ended up relapsing and I needed a stem cell transplant. And when that happened, I went into ovarian failure. So I went through early menopause at 24 so I was told I'd never have children. Um, so that was grand. I got better and everything. And I moved over to Australia. Mm. And uh, when I was over in Australia, I kind of just started like getting weird feelings, didn't feel myself, um, was doing like Dr. Google and everything that was coming up was cancer or pregnancy. So I was like, it obviously can't be pregnancy. So I thought I was sick again. And so I had an appointment with my oncologist and I said it to him, I was like, oh, I think my cancer is back. And I actually found out I was nearly 35 weeks pregnant. Wow. Yeah, that was a big surprise. A bit of a surprise, all right. Yeah. Because, of course, yeah. you'd been in you'd, you'd been in early menopause. Yeah, so I had... So you a, had, you kind of, you weren't, you, when you're, you don't period anywhere, you thought you'd none. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I was, I had no bump, I had no nothing. I was on hormone replacement therapy for menopause. So like there was no, and I went to the doctors a few times, uh, like with complaints, and they always had another answer, like instead of saying pregnancy, because they knew I couldn't have kids either. Just no one thought of giving me a pregnancy test, basically. And you only had a tiny little bump. Yeah. For Shay is what weight? Oh, he was eight point five. Yeah, he's a big baby. He kind of came out of nowhere, really. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And how are they explaining it? They don't. As in, um, so like. Every doctor kind of has a different opinion, but like, you just don't really know. Like, some people say, some doctors say they think there's literally one egg kind of hanging on, and then other doctors think 
that the stem cell transplant just rejuvenate my body, so they don't really know, to be honest. So, like, I don't know, is this a one-off? Will I be able to have more? So they say it's just a little miracle, really. So You could become a research project here for some doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Now, yeah. you, had, you had the baby in the Royal Hospital for Women in Sydney. What, was yeah. that? What, what experience was that? Are you in Sydney right now? No, I actually came home in October. Right, okay. We came home just because we'd no family over there and it was kind of hard just to have Shay on our own over there. Okay. So we'd come home because she's the first grandchild as well. So if we didn't come home, I'm pretty sure our parents would have came over and dragged us home. <laughs> what so, was that experience like though? Um, over in the hospital. Yeah. It wasn't that bad because coronavirus wasn't really as bad in Australia. Mm. So um, my partner Dale was allowed in with me for the birth but he wasn't allowed into any appointments beforehand. But I didn't really have many appointments beforehand anyway. Mm. So it wasn't that bad, really. But it was just strange, like, no one could come visit us. And then Dale couldn't stay overnight, so I had Shay, and then I was just left in the room with him, and I hadn't a clue what to do. But, um, yeah, it was fine. It all worked out. <laughs> Not only... I never expected you, like... What yeah. am I going to do now? <laughs> I know. And then all the midwives, when they come around and look at my chart, they're like, we've never seen notes so short, because... I like I skipped first trimester, second trimester, and I was nearly finished the third trimester. It's it's a little miracle. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Mm. You sound like you're ecstatically happy as well. Oh, I am now. Yeah, it was a big shock. It took a while to get used to, but now I'm over the moon. Mm. So, are you going to settle here? Or are you going to go back to Oz? Uh I if I didn't have Shay, we probably would have stayed in Oz. But uh, now that we have him, we just couldn't take him away from everyone again. So I'd say we're just going to settle here now for a while anyway yeah we'll definitely go on trips back over and everything and bring him to where he was born and all but um, I think it'll be like our base home yeah because you were you were there for how long I was only there just over a year right so yeah but we planned on staying longer right okay so yeah now he's called Shay after someone very important yeah so he's actually named Shay after my oncologist Seamus O'Reilly up in Cork Man, I've spoken so, to. Yeah. yeah. So we named him Shay, but we should have just called him Seamus because when we're playing with him and messing with him now, we call him Seamus anyway. Yeah. So we should have just called him Seamus, but he's Shay. I, I imagine Seamus's chin nearly hit the table when he found out. Well, I did, yeah, he did. He was absolutely shocked, but he's kind of never surprised when it comes to me. He's always laughing at me. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, he was delighted. He was very good, thank God. You're looking to give back and you have a fundraiser going on. Yeah, so basically um, I'm the ambassador for Jesse Cancer, which is part of the Core Cancer Care Centre. Yes. And um, at the moment, obviously, with COVID and everything, there could be no fundraisers and the Cancer Centre has stayed open the whole way through because obviously more, now more than ever, people need it more. So one-to-one counselling still goes on. But we've just had no fundraisers and we're not government funded, we're not HSE funded. So like the only way the doors stay open is from companies contributing money or yeah. people doing fundraisers. And I feel like people just kind of forget that it's there now just because it's not a walk-in service. You need to ring and book in. And then Joe, like all bagpacks have been cancelled. Everything has been cancelled. So we're just trying our hardest to raise, raise as much money as we can because they were so good mm. to me when I was sick. Yeah. So I really wouldn't have got through it it's all. It's the great Handelis Balans place, of course, God rest her. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, yeah Anne was one that brought me in there. Okay. So, yeah. So, so like, this is very personal. Yeah, it is. They were so good to me and they were so good to my family while I was sick. And like, even when I was in Australia, like I'd be very, very close to everyone there still. So I'd have a real special place in my heart first. Yeah. So that's why we're just mad to 
just get some money going, get people talking about it again. Because obviously all everyone hears about now is COVID, but unfortunately, just because COVID's there doesn't mean cancer's gone away. Yeah, and, and look, that the centre the center has huge support and, and much love. There was huge love for Anne and, yeah. people, and people really do want to support the centre. So how can they in your, in your fundraiser? So basically, I just did a fundraiser on Facebook. So I just done that you donate on the Facebook page. So the Just Say Cancer Facebook page or my own personal page. But anyone can donate. As in, like, anyone who has a birthday coming up to your house Facebook lets you pick a charity. Yeah. Anything at all. Like, Joe, the centre's just happy with absolutely anything because it does need money and it's gone, the funding has gone down so much in the last year, you know. So how do we go about helping then? So just donate as much as you can and just spread the word, let everyone know about it. And that's what they just love. So in going to fun, fun, into Facebook and just search for just say cancer in the yeah. search box. That's what yeah. you do. All right. Listen, yeah, congratulations. Himself is thriving, obviously. Yeah, he is. There's no fear of him at all. He's and, great. and you're flying. Did I see three years cancer free? Yeah, so I was three years cancer free on Valentine's Day. Ah, well, now what a way to celebrate. Yeah. What absolutely. a way to celebrate. That's brilliant, Nula. Lovely talking to you. Thank you very much. If you want to support the Cancer Care Centre after listening to Nula or indeed you might just want to support them and wonder how you can go into Facebook and just search Just Say Cancer and the fundraiser will come up thanks for that and well done 1850 715 996 is it Noel that I'm going to next oh I knew this would come I knew this would happen I knew it would 1850-715-996. The opinion line on Cork's 96FM. With Lee Han Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See leehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold. Imro Award-winning talk show. The opinion line with PJ
in, in you know, Lanzarote or Spain or somewhere like that for a week and probably with a bit of, you know, meals included or something in the packages, you know. Yeah. But yeah. this was just in County Cork. That's why I priced County Cork. And I went west and east and the prices were the same. All right. Well, listen, thank you for all that. And thank you for what you're doing out there at at the CUH, another one of our hardworking frontline staff. And we're hearing reports about that. We're hearing reports about that, that prices are after shooting up. I read something on Twitter at the weekend about somebody who has been renting the same house in the west of Ireland. Their parents before them brought them to this house and now they bring their kids to this house. And so organised are they. It's the same week every July since God alone knows when. And they're so organised that they book with the owner the day they leave. They actually pay their deposit for the same week the following year. They've had an email to say that this very same house has doubled in price for the same week, even though they've paid their deposit and the attitude was take it or leave it. Let us not do that, please. Can we not do that at all this year? I appreciate that it's been a hard time for small businesses, particularly family businesses. But you know, if and when you get to open up, if you keep your prices reasonable, people will come anyway. Kate says the hotels need to understand the position of people like that woman and figure out a way to put packages out there that people can afford. Do not forget that people have also had their wages uh, cut and costs are higher during the pandemic. Uh, on Airbnb, which we discussed with Senator Lombard before 10, uh, and he wants either the website taken down or some kind of a portal so that if you're renting an Airbnb, you can prove that you're an essential worker or going for an essential appointment. Uh, hosts need to learn how to vet inappropriate guests with support of Airbnb, back office tools and further training. Yep, all the software is there. Software is there to do any of these things if you want to do that. Software may be present. The will is what we need. Speaking of will, Gary was on from New Zealand. Hi, Gary. Gary regular listens to the show. Must be late now. It's what, half 10, half 11 at night. Gary on the South Island, welcome along again. Uh, And he says, people are getting very frustrated in New Zealand with the new shutdown, especially in the South Island, as we've had no new positive cases. However, Jacinda's policy of go hard and go early is proven to have worked, so we just comply. I can't see why Ireland didn't follow suit a long time ago. What she did, Jacinda Ardern, when she got the confirmation of three positive cases in Auckland at the weekend, was she put Auckland into, I think it's level three of their four levels. Did it like that in three hours. And she put the rest of New Zealand, including the South Island, where Gary is, which has no new into level two. And that involves the wearing of masks and a certain amount of social distancing and a limit on gatherings. I think it's 100 at most. So, and Gary, I'm sure, is listening and will correct me if, if I'm wrong on any element of that. But she put a level two restriction across the entire country for three days and then 72 hours of level three which is the second highest lockdown around Auckland she makes no apology for it she is absolutely determined to do it and her her policy is go hard and go fast go now, don't wait, go now 
They did this for three cases in Auckland, even the South Island, where they have no new community cases. They've had restrictions brought in. She gave another one of those press conferences with her Chief Medical Officer, Ashley Bloomfield. Again, it's in the early hours of our morning, which means it's very recent. This was her latest press conference where she was asked to defend going so hard and going so early for three cases. We know that by uh, following the guidelines that were set and the alert levels that we put in place originally, that it worked. No country in the world was free of community transmission as long as New Zealand has been. Now, we also know that other countries have had resurgence and have got them back under control. So we're asking for every New Zealander's help in doing that. If we get this right, we can limit the effect on the rest of New Zealand, but we'll only be able to do that if we do follow these rules um, as we did in the first place. How strictly will these rules be? In the same way that we have before. Um, So nothing has changed in that regard. The orders will be in place. We are asking people to comply with them and we're doing that for a a 72-hour period. I know it must be hard to live under a snap lockdown like that. But you know what? You've got to admire the woman's determination. There's absolutely no BS, no fuss, no faffing, no waiting, no passing it to some committee of civil servants, no passing it back to some subcommittee of cabinet, no cabinet meeting to throw it around the table. What we go? She just flipping did it there and then. You have to admire her for it. Um, thanks, Gary, for that. Let us know how things are going. Keep in touch with us. 1850-715-996. There was a Guardian article uh, went very viral over the weekend and a lot of other news sites picked up on it as well about plastic surgery, about a most unusual plastic surgery and a very serious form of plastic surgery, a form of plastic surgery that one in 3,000 patients actually run the risk of dying from. It's classed as the most dangerous plastic surgery There is. It's very, very dangerous. But still people do it. And people fly around the world to get it done. And get it done cheaply. It's called, are you ready for this now? The Brazilian butt lift. The what, PJ? The Brazilian butt lift. Now, it's not new. Uh, It's been around, actually, since the 80s. Yeah, it's, yeah. Yet that. It's been around since the 80s. It shot kind of into the headlines a few years ago. Do you remember that photograph of Kim Kardashian that appeared on the front page of a magazine where she had a a glass, a champagne glass or something, balanced on her bottom? Do you remember that picture? Huge. Yeah, that, that one. Now, she denies she had a Brazilian butt lift, but everybody thinks that she has had a Brazilian butt lift. If you have a strong stomach, you'll find videos of this surgery. It is horrendous. Why anyone would put themselves through it is beyond me. Basically, they take fat from other parts of your body and they squirt it into your backside. Like it's, that's the bones of it. And they use a thing like a small hoover to take it out and put it in. And it's like it's brutal. There's a lot of blood and a lot of bruising. 
And the result is a a big arse, basically, or a bigger pert bum. But why would you do that to yourself? Why would people put themselves through that? And are people doing it in this country? I've been talking to Jen from Jen's Journey. She's got 112,000 followers on the gram. And she's a diet guru and a food guru. And she's had a little bit of plastic surgery herself, but not a lot. But she keeps an eye on the trends. And as I say, I've been speaking with Jennifer. We'll hear that next. 1850 715996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's Entertainment. Sirius Arts Centre and Cove have a number of online Zoom events coming up over the next couple of months including reading groups and talks with artists you can find out more information on the venue's website seriousartscentre.ie Access all areas The second in Cork Orchestral Society's online programme of concerts is set to stream this Saturday, February 20th Following the first successful concert featuring 13 strings, the second in a six-strong series will feature Cork School of Music Emerging Artists of the Year, violinist Brendan Gard, accompanied by Gary Beecher on piano Access all areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up or any live streaming events by emailing AAA at 96FM.ie. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 996. On Cork's 96FM. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. Yeah, the Brazilian butt lift. Look it up. You'll you'll probably find a YouTube video or some little clip of it being done. And and why anyone would do it to themselves is just beyond me. 
you'd wonder if anyone who ever had it done looked at a video first. Because, God almighty, it is a brutal procedure for, for what you get in return. As I said, been catching up with Jen from Jen's Journey on Instagram. Jen, thanks for talking to us. As I was going through the article, my, my first thoughts were, are people actually doing this kind of thing to themselves? And if they are, why are they? Take here in Ireland, for example, how common is plastic surgery, cosmetic surgery? I think cosmetic surgery definitely over the years has like become increasingly more popular, um, especially with women. I think this surgery in particular, the Brazilian butt lift, it's probably the least common one over here. It's definitely not one that I would hear of being performed an awful lot. And even um, a surgeon that I was speaking to, he said it's not one that he, I think he's performed probably two in his lifetime in mm. Ireland. But it's definitely one that I, I hear more about people traveling abroad to get. Like it's a big job. It's not this isn't something like getting your nose straightened or this is major surgery. Exactly. It's huge surgery, I think, as well. That's another reason why people are going abroad, because to have a a surgery that extensive over here, I think, would be probably cost, you know, 20, 30,000 up and around there. Whereas I think you can go abroad and get it for 3,000. So a lot of people would always opt for that. Mm. Um, but it is, it's, I mean, it's a major surgery. There's always, you know, horror stories that you hear about from people going abroad to get these surgeries. Mm. And then there's a few cases where you hear, you know, where people maybe did achieve the results they wanted. And I think they're the stories you probably hear about a little bit more, probably hence why people then tend to go. There's a television program called Botched. Oh, I've seen that on A. <laughs> yeah, like what, what goes wrong with people. But this particular surgery, like it's an alteration of the curvature of the base of the spine, or at least it's trying to mimic that. Like it is huge. Do people realise, do you think, the risk that they're taking when they do travel? I don't think so. I mean, looking at the majority of people that would have the surgery, they tend to be below 40. I think it's a lot of the younger generation that are trying to achieve these looks. I think probably, unfortunately, it's more, you know, aesthetically, you know, they feel like they need to have that kind of shape or they need to have their surgery to feel maybe beautiful or that's what the the look they want to achieve. But I think a lot of the times they really don't understand the science behind it and what it's actually doing to your body and I think another thing with the surgeons a lot of the time when you go abroad I think it can be quite common that you don't even know who your surgeon is until kind of very close to the surgery day so I think when you're going for a surgery like this the most important thing that people should be doing and I know that I do is researching your surgeon you know you want to make sure they have because a lot of the times they don't have the medical search they might claim to have and there's ways of looking online you know that you can check up to make sure that they have the qualifications they claim for these kind of surgeries because mm. the dangers involved with this like moving fat around the body and it can get into the bloodstream if you don't get it right yeah exactly I think I was reading about it in that article and like it's scary to even read about and how easy it is for like an hour like that to occur and when you think of how difficult that surgery is to perform and if it's someone that's not qualified to be doing that kind of a surgery especially at the prices they charge you know like if you're getting that done for as little as three thousand that for me anyway, straight away would be alarm bells that there's Mm. something wrong. Fat getting into the bloodstream can end up in the lungs and cause instant death. Heart failure, yeah. And also I think 
most surgeries that I would hear abroad are usually kind of in and around Mexico, Thailand, Turkey, Brazil. They're always abroad. And like you're usually getting on a plane a week or two after the surgery. It's not like you're kind of recovering for six weeks over there. So you're flying. I can imagine flying nine or ten hours. I know. It's after a major, major surgery on your bum, like sitting down solid for 10 hours on a plane. But I think um, obviously when you're up in the air, that has an effect on most people anyway. So after having surgery, it's just such a huge, huge, huge risk. How much of this do we blame or get to blame? And she's mentioned in the article on Kim Kardashian and that infamous photograph a few years ago with the champagne glass. On the bottom. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like that's, it's just, I suppose, the female body being sexualized again. It's, I don't think we could put the blame on one person, you know, if she, you know, it's like when people were getting plastic surgery years ago for the bigger breast implants and it would have been Pamela Anderson, you know. Kim Kardashian claims she's never had surgery done and that's, you know, her natural, that's how she was born. I mean, I don't know if that's true, but I mean, it's just the way social media and the media in general works. I suppose, unfortunately, with women, it's always aimed as every decade, there's a different body shape. You know, that's the ideal body shape. If you go from the 20s right up to today, every single year, every decade, the women's ideal body changes. So I just think it's, I, I, I personally wouldn't think she has to blame, but I do think there's a lot of, you know, pressure on you on younger women with the likes of social media but the same way it always has been, mm. women are just portrayed that kind of way, you know, in the media, I think, as sex symbols. I think there's a lot of people standing up and there's a lot of positive movements out there, you know, loving yourself as you are and, you know, everyone, like, it's more inclusive. It's not just, you know, I mean, when I was growing up, the ideal figure was, you know, the skinny, blonde, tall. Mm. And now it's the complete opposite. But I mean, it's, I, I do think it's unfortunately something that will always be around. But I wouldn't particularly say, you know, she would take some of the blame for people wanting this. Mm. It's definitely something people look within themselves for. Who puts the pressure on women, Jen? Is it themselves? Is it other women? Is it men in the media? Who is it? be a little bit of everyone has responsibility I think it does probably all go back <laughs> to the beginning you know men control the media and men controlling you know how women were portrayed and sex symbols you know in films on covers of magazines and I think then when women take ownership of it and they want to own their sexiness then they can be kind of deemed as maybe vulgar or you know it's twisted then but I think it's perfectly fine to own your own sexiness because you're happy to do it that's fine but I do think there are a lot of younger people that probably do feel like an incredible amount of pressure when they see people like, mm. and they look up to people on social media or magazines and they do think that's what I need to look for. So I just think this is where magazines and film and media, everybody needs to step up and take a little bit more responsibility on who they're putting on their covers. And moreover, when you're putting someone on the cover, how really exactly. achievable I mean, is that by an ordinary person? And when you go into a shop and you look at the magazine covers, how often do you see, you know, different kinds of people 
on the magazine covers, it's usually the same kind of look. So I think a big bit of responsibility would lay kind of with the media there. I think they need to, with their inclusion, step up a little bit more, all different shapes and sizes. And then younger girls grown up that have a different shape or a different hair colour, a different skin colour. They might have a turn in their eye. They might have glasses, you know, anything at all. And they see someone on a magazine that looks like that. I think that's the kind of changes that we need to be making. And then it wouldn't just all be focused on one image and one body that we should all be achieving. Finally, I want to come back, Jen, to something you said earlier on, which I think is important to re-stress it, and that is no matter what it is you're going for, check out who's doing the work. Yeah, that would be a huge thing. I mean, I've had surgery done. I've had two cosmetic surgery procedures, but they were for skin removal after weight loss. So it wasn't um, like standard Mm. cosmetic surgery. But I have a great surgeon at the Evoca, Cormac Joyce, and he has has had to deal with people who've gone abroad and come back and then they need help, you know, a year or two down the line because their surgeries maybe had messed up. And he said, there's so many websites out there where you can check, you know, if the surgeon has the qualifications he needs to have. But that would be the thing I would stress the most. If you're set in your way and you're going abroad, make sure that you've done extensive, extensive research on who is about to do or perform your surgery. Don't just book it off of Facebook. No, and not know who your doctor is. <laughs> Jennifer, thanks for talking to us. Thanks a million. Bye, PJ. That's uh, Jennifer Carroll from Jen's Journey on Instagram 1850715996 Mary Jane Lamity Jane tweets it's very dangerous it's mainly done abroad she recommends another uh, man a doctor to talk to we might do that but uh, Jen was very interesting there about why people might want to do it to themselves I I suggest a trawl of YouTube but not if you are faint of heart and don't like the sight of blood, put it that way, because there's a lot of blood and a lot of mess and a lot of very... One surgeon is quoted in that Guardian article as saying that she's actually exhausted from it when she's finished the surgery. There's so much pushing and shoving and pulling and dragging of body parts to get it right. Doesn't bear thinking about it, does it? 1850 996 There's a wired one out of left field. Why has the price of petrol gone up around 10 cent a litre since December? There's reduced demand worldwide, surely. I haven't noticed, to be honest myself. Um, Bear says on the butt lift, Hi PJ, we've no need for butt operations. We're sitting down so much these days, we have it for free. (laughs) Yeah. 1850-715-996. I want to touch again on the mental health element of lockdown particularly, but of COVID-19. Because a lot of people are saying, look, we're struggling. Particularly struggling with this one. Particularly struggling with this third lockdown for any number of reasons. One, because we never thought we'd be here. Two, because the weather has, for the most part, been crap. And three, because now there seems no end to it. And we know that we can't take the risk of coming out of it too early. But we also want some sense of reassurance that we will get out of it. See where Boris Johnson has said in the UK, said in his latest speech that this will be their last one by hook or by crook and I'd like to think we had the same attitude here that this will be our last one our last national lockdown by hook or by crook but dealing with it isn't easy 
And again, we've been looking at people for whom, you know, mental health is their business. One of them is Tom Conlon. Uh, he's a psych- psychiatrist and uh, with the Middleton Holistic Health Centre and works with charity My Mind. And he was inspired to write a piece after watching the new Tom Hanks movie, which I, I haven't seen yet. But it inspired him to write a piece uh, quite thoughtful about all of this and the things we're all going through. And Tom, good morning. I, I've been particularly focusing on the programme, not with people who have a di- an issue with their emotional health on an ongoing basis, but the rest of us, the majority of us, who are just finding this hard. Yeah. Uh, good morning, PJ. Um, I confess that I, I'm not elevated to a psychiatrist yet. I'm a, I'm a humble uh, psychoanalyst. Psychoanalyst, uh, to beg your pardon. A minor difference, I believe. But anyway, <laughs> um, same, same general... Uh, in general drift and and I think you picked up the right thing there you know in in terms of um, you know the people that come to me are are people that have you know struggling I suppose with you know the loss that's going on in in, during this time of COVID and they're dealing with it in their own way you know and uh, um, and have come to actually to come and speak about it and but I think you're absolutely right about everybody else and I I think it's um, you know there's an issue here that that all of us have actually lost something during the course of this lockdown everybody you know and it's um, it might be at the small level in terms of you know not being able to get out to parties or to travel or whatever that might be, but but everybody's lost something, and I, I think sometimes that the the general population gets lost in this in the sense that we can always think about somebody that's worse off than ourselves, and uh, but the, the fact is that that might lose the possibility of speaking about what it is for us and what what's um, uh, what's gone on for us as this goes through, mm. you know, and it, it is really difficult. I, I think everybody's affected by it, uh, and uh, particularly people come eventually to talk to me about it. You mentioned that it's a very common response. Ah, sure, we're just getting on with it. Mm-hmm. What can you do? We're managing. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that hides a whole conversation that we'd prefer to have, but we don't. We want to say, this is crap. Yeah, but that's absolutely it. And I think that, that Tom Hanks, you know, <laughs> it was a bit melodramatic now for me. Uh, Tom Hanks wouldn't be my, my first thing. But I was sitting down dutifully at, at St. Valentine's weekend and doing what I had to do. And, but he said something that really got to me. And he, you know, he talked to a crowd of people and he said, you know what? You're all hurting out there. And that's what he said. And it just really struck me. I thought to myself, yeah. He was, he was talking in the context of the, the losing his wife during the course of the, the American Civil War, the yeah. aftermath of it. But I thought to myself, that might actually be very true for, for everybody, anybody who's listening to this call, really, that, you know, we're all hurting in a way, you know. And, um, and like, how can we create a conversation between us? If we're all like that, and if that's the one thing out of this that we all have in common, how can we speak to others about that to, talk about what's actually true for us. The the, the tendency, I think it's particularly with men, Tom, maybe I'm wrong, that we men like to say, ah, sure, you know what, it could be worse. We're grand. We'll move on. And and everyone says, ah, sure, fair play to Tom or fair play to PJ. They're tough out. Whereas underneath that, they're actually cracking up a little bit and they're afraid to talk about it. Well, sure. I mean, you know, I think the other thing that we can say for sure, you know, people are resilient, you know, and, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, which is, I think, what you're referring to. But What is resilience? Well, Define it for me. Well, okay, well, it's, it's the, way, the easiest way to think about it, it's a response to adversity, okay? So when you've had tough times, you, you know, you become resilient, okay? And uh, so it requires adversity, essentially, to actually have resilience. Otherwise, it doesn't work, you know? So, so it's, in other words, it's, we've all had tough times. And so when we get tough times again, what we do is we draw down on, um, the native resilience that we actually have inside of ourselves. And, and, and that works up to a point. But then 
when you get something exceptional like this, like where, and particularly in the context of a lot, you know, generalized anxiety, I think is one word that's been used around, where there's not a lot around, the only way you can actually top up your, your resilience to the levels required is actually through connections with your family and your community and friends and, and, and such like, you know, so there's only so much you can actually do on your own, it would be what I would say, yeah. Mm. Something that I noticed, actually a friend said it to me over the last while, someone I haven't seen and would see mm. frequently, and the only mm. thing I've seen of him is on Skype in the last six months, mm. said to me, do you know what the hard part of this is? So you start up in the morning and you're going about your bit of work or you're homeschooling the children or you're doing whatever you're doing and you're getting by and you look out there and it's a nice morning now and you're plodding along through the day. And the little minor crisis that you solved in five minutes in normal times, that minor crisis throws you off kilter for hours on end. What's Mm -hmm. the cause of that, Tom? I... It's a really good question. You know, I think what was in my mind, you know, the only way we can work that out is actually by speaking it out. And and I think sometimes you see these things actually rattle around our heads. You know, we've got something going on and we don't have anybody actually actually to talk to about it. And sometimes the problem is shared, the problem halved. And so I I think that, and again, it's the work that I do when people call me, you know, there's, it's a talk, getting it out of your head, putting it on the table, saying how you feel about it. So it's actually getting the words out and describing what it, what it's doing for you, you know, and, and I think, I think in part, you know, that, that what you do is you switch on your thinking function around what's going on. Is think, is, is that rational? You know, you know the way sometimes that you'd be doing some, hold on, how do I explain that? Like, it's not rational. Maybe there's something else going on. And that's, and that's the process then. It's almost talking about the thing that you're not aware of that might be impacting what's going on at the moment. You know, particularly when things don't make sense. Yeah. This is, this is kind of personal to you, too, because well, as you wrote a piece, you said that in actual fact, you have a very dear family member that you've not seen for how long? Uh, 18 months. How yeah. come, Tom? Uh, well, <laughs> well, okay, so it's a long story. and I, I, you know, she, she's, It's my daughter and she's living in Mauritius. A very long story. And okay. uh, So I got out to see her in July 2019 and uh, you know, planned to, you know, really, in a way, to go back out uh, six months later. And obviously we walked into the middle of this. And, and when you look at it now with all these quarantines and so on, it might be another year before we get out there, you know. So... Uh, uh, <laughs> You know, it's, it's again, it's, it's very challenging, you know, and, uh, you, you know, okay, I talk about it, but it's not easy. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, what is what age is she? Uh, she'll be 14 soon enough, and uh, I keep on trying to convince her that, uh, you know, that it might be helpful if I was able to get out there, you know, and uh, I, I, you know, because it's, it's 14 years of age and there's a whole bunch of things starting to go on and uh, yeah. grown into a grown into a young woman and I, I feel I'm missing out, frankly. I mean, yeah, it's a very important uh, time for yeah, forming yeah. a relationship with yeah. your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because dads are sometimes useful. Sometimes around sometimes that point, useful. You know? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I have a I have a 23 year old. I know what you mean. I know what yeah, you mean. Well, well, you know, and I, you know, I said to her, you know, there might be something that I could tell you about boys, for instance. And she says, "I know that," you know. So, you oh, know, no, she knows everything about them. You know that, don't you? Absolutely, I know very little about them. But you know, it's it's that type of thing. And, yeah. But you know, what can you say? I mean, there's absolutely, literally, you know, nothing I can do. You know, there's there's absolutely nothing I can do. And um, you know, um, but you know, like I talk to her and talk to her mom and I talk to her brother and you know all that sort of stuff and talk to whomsoever you know and it, mm. we do the best we can I mean but it's yeah. back to what Tom Hanks said you know it, it, we're <laughs> all hurting know, we're, we're all hurting and, and but but the point is I suppose that if we can say that you see in my mm. thing if you can say that at the same time but we're, we're working on you know we're working to move on I, yeah. I mean that's okay isn't how, it? How, of course how else how sorry how important is it for us each to recognize that we are all hurting 
I, I believe myself, uh, and, and this is you know, it's the foundation of the work that I do, if I can tell the truth about it to you and you can tell it back to me, then we're, we're streets ahead. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, that's so, so important, you know? And, um, you know, I, I just think that's at the foundation of it, telling the truth and be listened to as we're telling it. And, yeah. and I, think, I think really, if I was saying one thing, one thing only, it's to create a bit of silence for others to tell what they, say what they have to say. You know, that... In other words, sometimes like you, you, you might be saying, oh, I wonder how she or she is getting up. And if we can leave a silence and encourage them to actually just call it as it is, like, I, I think that would be a great gift to, give to people. That's, what I, that's my opinion. Let people vent. Yeah, let them talk. Like, and, you know, I suppose that's, that's um, you know, let them talk and let it say it out. Like, and, uh, you know, uh, I mean, it's a great gift. I mean, I, I, okay, sometimes it can be tough, like, you know, that sort of way. And, uh, you know, um, but... You know, if you can do that, maybe others will do a few in due course. I mean, that's the way it goes around, maybe. Yeah. Just very briefly, I think well, there's a lot of worrying uh, data out there about eating disorders either yeah. coming back in people who had them under control or developing yeah. in yeah. lockdown. Yeah. Where's that coming from? Uh, uh, well, really, you say that, you know, my idea about it is that there's a lot of anxiety out there and people deal with it as the best they can, you know, so... You know, uh, so sometimes that it would show up in, in with regard to you know uh, the uh, the way we approach food, the way we think about it, the way that we eat it, you know, all that sort of stuff. And it's just a response uh, to to uh, I believe to the anxiety that's out there. It's just tipping people over, and it's it's you know people have to deal with it in some way, you know. So I, I think that's where it's coming from, and I you know I'm seeing more of that. I suppose uh, be be truthful with you, and um, you know it's a very very challenging stuff altogether, you know, and um, um, and People need support with, with with that type of situation, frankly. Yeah. And, and people can contact people. They can contact. Yeah. Where like where can someone contact you? Or are you working at? The well, well, I'm I'm I work in three really excellent places. Okay, so I work with my mind I, uh, in Cork City. I work at the Middleton Holistic Centre in County Cork and City Therapy in Dublin. And uh, you know, I mean, uh, so certainly that. And, and there are other, you know, okay. there are other bodies that would be very glad to talk to someone. You've got your own website as well, tomcommon.ie. Yeah, tomcommon.ie. I'd be very glad to talk to anybody that's struggling with this, yeah. Okay, great to talk to you, Tom, and I hope you get to to see your daughter as soon as possible um, because that must be tough. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. Yeah, that comment by Pascal Donoghue this morning about whether or not we'll be allowed to go out of our county for staycations. Do you know, the first thing that has to happen is we have to be allowed out of our five kilometres. And I tell you something, I don't think we'll be there. Certainly we won't be there by Paddy's Day. We certainly won't be out of our five kilometres by by Paddy's Day. They may increase it to ten, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. And then, just looking at the numbers for Cork that I did earlier on. And by the way, Mary, thank you for your call. Mary said the numbers on her COVID tracker app are different to the numbers that I was giving out for Cork as of this morning. The reason for that is, Mary, that the numbers on your tracker app are the numbers from the hub, which in the case of regional numbers like Cork, they're actually a day or two old. The numbers on the hub are the 13th of February, Saturday. Same as the numbers on the app. My numbers are as of last evening, taking Sunday's figures and Monday's figures into account and adding them into what's in the hub, because those figures are issued every evening. So that's how I got different numbers and how we've got the, the good downward pattern in Cork. I was looking actually at 
how we might get down to single figures in Cork. And it's along the lines of the prediction, and I know some people hate me when I say this, I don't care, the zero COVID doctors like ISAG, like Dr. Staines and those people, you know, and, and Dr. Scally, we could actually be down to single figures in Cork. I'll tell you when, I'll tell you when. It's not a, it's not a million years away. It's not a million years away. 1850-715-996. Let us go, though, to Netflix, because it is keeping most of us sane at the moment. Scooting around Netflix, looking for stuff to watch. I started watching another one in the last day or two called Cheat, and it's a four-parter. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the last um, episode of it tonight or tomorrow night, whenever we get to it. But it's it's really, really good. It's also going to start an awful lot of arguments in a lot of houses about relationships and faithfulness and all of that. But it's brilliant. It really is great. And I get a sense there's a big twist coming at the end of it. Um, there's a couple of other ones I'm watching. But the true crime has had a bonanza through the pandemic and through lockdown because people just love it. But there's a new one on Netflix about a show that I had to think about it, or sorry, a case I had to think about it and then I remembered it. It's the case of a resident at the Cecil Hotel or the Cecil Hotel, the Cecil Hotel as they probably call it in the States, in downtown Los Angeles where in 2013 a young woman called Eliza Lamb was a guest in the hotel and she was she was found dead in strange circumstances and no one's ever been able to explain what happened to her and it's a it's a bizarre kind of an open case so netflix have done um a, de- a documentary as only they can with plenty of detail and the the true crime the true crime aficionados aren't liking it very much Orla Conlon from Extra.ie. Orla, good morning to you. Hi, Peter. How are you? Let's remind ourselves again of the case. I had to think about it this morning, but I do remember it. So brief, people. Yeah, it's one of those those stories that anyone who'll kind of watch true crime things on YouTube or Twitter or whatever, you'll see this story kind of pop up every once in a while just because of the kind of, I suppose, the interest that was around it at the time. Uh, but like you said there, it was about the disappearance of a 21-year-old Canadian student called Alyssa Lam who was staying in the Cecil Hotel, which is in the Skid Row area of LA, one of the poorest parts of the city and most dangerous parts of the city, back in 2013. And she disappeared and eventually her body was found in the hotel's water tower Um, and there was a lot of questions about how she got there, what could have happened Uh, the Cecil Hotel has its own history of kind of bizarre crimes happening there and the the kind of most dangerous of people staying there I was on speaking to you a couple of weeks ago about the Night Stalker that documentary about Richard Ramirez he stayed in the Cecil Hotel throughout his his murder spree in the area. So it was, it was, it's a, it's a, I suppose, destination of interest anyway. But the, this basically started when the police shared footage, uh, the last footage of, of, uh, Alyssa in the hotel, of her in the elevator of the hotel, seemingly kind of behaving 
oddly. Uh, and it led to kind of YouTubers and internet sleuths uh, diving into this case and acting as kind of, you know, citizen police and investigators. Um, and this documentary is getting, I would say, its fair share of criticism. Uh, you know, PJ, I love my true crime, yeah. especially Netflix true crime series. This veers into kind of the indulgence of this kind of internet conspiracy theory area mm. uh, and kind of misrepresents what actually happens, uh, what actually happened to Alyssa Lam. And we do get answers in the end. We do get the official kind of uh, documenting of, of what happened to her. What and is it's the official story? Because there were many, many different stories of what might have happened to her. Yeah, I mean, throughout this, it, it's a four, it's a four part Netflix series, four hour long episodes. And for the bulk of three episodes, uh, the documentary focuses on potentially supernatural elements that happened causing her disappearance. Was, you know, was she running from someone in the hotel? Is she trying to communicate with us through the video? Like all these wild conspiracies. And at the end of the third episode, we finally are told that she suffered from bipolar disorder. And the fourth episode is called The Hard Truth. And I actually haven't watched it because I found it so frustrating that for three episodes we're being led to believe that you know something was going on at the hotel there's something here that we need to uncover when actually it was this woman's mental health condition she came off her medication and it caused her to to, to act kind of differently than she would have and it, it was it happened by accident it was purely an accident and that's how it was documented by police and now there's still people who question whether that's the truth yeah. and I think this docuseries feeds into that a bit much and it's, I, I think it kind of veers into that danger dangerous conspiracy theory, you know, zone where these internet YouTubers who watch this footage, their testimony is nearly more important than the police who work yeah. the case. It, and it's that it, dangerous It, it blurs the documentary lines, doesn't it? And that a documentary is supposed to be based solely on the fact to hand, not the what might be. Yeah, and I, I think when you, when you, if, if you led with this is what happened to her, but what happened at the time, and this was the kind of, you know, yeah. the media storm. But the fact that they don't disclose what actually happened, it, they're encouraging the viewer to really buy into, you know, oh, maybe she was possessed and, oh, and yeah. these kind of wild theories that are just... So that by I the mean, time you get to the answers, you've actually been speculating, particularly people who might know the case or know anything about the case, would say, ah, this one was mad. This, she was crazy. She was blessed by the devil. Yeah. Well, actually, no. They should yeah. have... Yeah, you're right. Maybe reverse it around and tell the story in the first episode and then finish the episode by saying, but you know what? A lot of people still don't accept that that's what happened. And now we'll yeah. tell you what they think happened. Yeah. And I also think that this, this Cecil Hotel is such an interesting you know, location in itself, like that they you know, they housed famous serial killers and are well infamous and, and, and lots of people with very interesting stories. I feel like they just thought this was the way into the audience, this kind of innocent 21-year-old girl from Canada in LA got caught up in something. You know, they constantly reference how dangerous the area would be for a young woman and just leading us to this kind of, you know, lamb for slaughter type uh, yeah. theme, which it's, it's, it's kind of, detached from what actually happened. Yeah. So I kind of feel like they were trying to bungle loads of different themes into one four-part series and almost use like a kind of a film producer's cap on like how can we make this the most entertaining when really the, what, the story is so much simpler than the kind of mad conspiracies that were led to believe throughout the series. So for me, this, like I said, I haven't finished it. I've watched three episodes. I might watch the fourth just to kind of see how they round it out. But uh, it just felt disappointing kind of when the, the, the source material is 
interesting. Yeah. How they chose to represent it was a bit disappointing. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 it's, it's a grim-looking place anyway, the Cecil Hotel. It says it has 700 rooms offering low daily, weekly rates. Yeah. It sounds well, like you can still kind stay of a, there, PJ, if we get to have holidays anytime in the future, if you want to book in I know. the hotel. It sounds, like a glorified, it sounds like a glorified hot sheet, though, doesn't it? It, it's it's a bizarre place. It's, I find it hilarious. Well, not hilarious, but I find it interesting how many of you know my friends and colleagues who are now finding out that they actually stayed there because it was such a budget hotel in LA yeah. when they were traveling on their J one or whatever. It's it's mad, really, how many people we probably know who could have stayed there. Probably it's skid near Skid Row. That 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 part of listen. Great talking. By the way, I think we can see the Britney one tonight on Now TV. Can we? We can, yeah. I was talking to you about this uh, recently. It's yeah. a very interesting documentary, Framing Britney Spears, all about the Free Britney movement and her conservatorship, which is really, really interesting. The documentary isn't a, kind of a blowing the lid off the case as much as I would hope it would be, but for anyone who doesn't know the ins and outs of, of what's going on there, it's a really good watch. It lays it out really well for you. It's on Sky Documentaries tonight at 9pm and on Now TV if you miss it. But definitely tune in because it's got a lot of people talking, so it, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens mm. now in the next couple I of months Story we're all interested. In. I said this before, or it's a story we're all interested. In. Here was this brilliant young pop star, magnificent talent, and then she goes off the rails, and now she fixed herself. Her life is back. Her health is back in order. And she can't get any of her money. Yeah, it's it's wild to see someone like her who was so huge in the late nineties, early noughties, like one of the biggest names in music at the time. I remember uh, very well at the time of the eighteen nineties was looking at the Britney Spears records and the way they were coming out and the variety there and the production and the sheer raw talent of that young kid. And I said, this is the new Madonna. Yeah, she she really she really was kind of the star of the, of our generation. Yeah. Um, and it's wild to see, you know, now where she is. It's very uh, but sad, actually. has consistently worked. I mean, has worked really, has been really worked over the last 12 years while under this conservatorship. Mm. Um, and now she's saying she's refusing to work again uh, or perform live until her father is removed as her conservator. So definitely tonight will give you a good lay of the land about what has happened over the last 12 years, where she is now. There was a court uh, case last Friday. So like it's very recent. It's happening. It's ongoing. So it'll give you a good kind of good. synopsis of where she is in, in, this, in the process. And it's definitely... It's definitely having an impact on the judges who are calling the shots here. You know, things are changing. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Great. Kind of moving in real time. Thanks very much. Orla Condon from Extra.ie. That new Netflix one is called The Disappearance at the Cecil... The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. It's the most popular true crime show on Netflix at the moment. Mary Jane says those YouTubers are off their chops in the show. Well, you see, the thing about it is, Mary Jane, an awful lot of YouTubers... I'm going to say this. I, I I regret this before I even have said it. An awful lot of YouTubers are off their chops, and they're only on YouTube because that's the only place they get away with it. There, I've said it. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. I do love that that, that Britney Spears. I, the, the the concept of the of the documentary. I've been following her. I remember being a a jobbing DJ, and you know, in the last week we're talking so much about. Poor old Ted Dunn. And thinking about the, the good years on the road and playing around Munster for the man and working gigs and weddings and bars and all that. I remember when Britney Spears burst onto the scene. She was the most exciting female talent in pop music for a very long time. Pretty much since Madonna. She was really, really exciting. And I've seen 
every record got better. Every record got bigger. And then she just went off the rails completely. And it was sad to see. And that documentary, fascinating stuff. 1850-715-996. I said I'd tell you about the numbers and where they might take us uh, with Cork. And again, we're trying to keep it positive this morning. We've had a positive conversation with Kingston Mills about the vaccines and where they might bring us. And we're looking at the positive decline of cases in Cork, where we've gone from last month, this day last month, the eighth, the 16th of, of January, we were on 6,547 cases in the last fortnight. We've now had 804, so we have crushed it. We have absolutely crushed it down to an eighth of what it was. Our 14-day figure at the moment is 804. That's the updated one as of this morning. 161 per 100,000. Now, at that rate of decline, when might we get down to single figures? Remember, the magic thing is single figures. Because when you have single figures you can really seize control. And if you get an outbreak or if you get a case, you can isolate the case and you can take public health action against the case. If, for example, we were down to single figures in Cork, we could start to go about our business again and then you'd you'd get an outbreak, you contain the outbreak. You do what they're doing in Australia and New Zealand. We could get down to that level. When would we be at, would we be at that level? We will be at that level on the present rate of decline in or around the May weekend. We'd be getting very close to it in about two months' time. That would be close to Easter. We'd be getting very close to it around Easter time. And we would be pretty much there at this present rate of decline. We would be pretty much there uh, by the May bank holiday weekend. It would be so great to get there. Then it will be up to our public health system to be, in, to be beefed up to allow us to stay there and mandatory quarantine to help to happen, to allow us to stay there and crazy, stupid international travel that shouldn't be happening to be stopped to allow us to stay there. Um, but we need to get there first in order to stay there. 1850-715-996. So, come on, PJ, stop being so negative. You're depressing me with all this negativity. Focus on what you can do, what you can't. This too shall pass from... Oh, that's to do with the with the, men, the mental health thing. Ray, I agree with you. And for months on end, I, I did that. I, and myself and my friends and those of us, as I said, lucky enough to enjoy robustly good mental health at the best of times. I've always said, yeah, well, I can't do this, but I can do that. That gets hard too, Ray. It does. That there are pretty much three, four or five days a week I can manage that. But there were days when you go, I can't do this anymore. I can't hack this anymore. This is crap. And it's okay to be able to say that. In fact, it's important to say that. But Ray, thank you for your message. I stayed in the same hotel room where Michael Collins' squad shot a G-man on the morning of Bloody Sunday, says Mark in Bantry. I wonder how that feels. You're in that room and knowing you're in there. and Knowing what happened in there. 
Wonder how that would feel. 1850-715996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. A guaranteed ride for Valentine's Day. Yeah. That's what we promised you. No messing. Boom, boom like that. Casey and Ross in the morning. Boom, boom. On Cork's 96FM. It's a brand new bike. Yeah. It's a helmet, lights and extra safety thanks to Capwell Cycles Turner's Cross for sales and repairs. CapwellCycles.com And the winner of the bike is Sylvia. Sylvia! Yay! Congratulations. <laughs> well done. Thanks. How does it feel yeah. to get oh, the ride fantastic. for Valentine's? Do you know what? I just wanted to make sure that my husband rides with me. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the helmet, all the safety gear, and a brand new bike from Capwell Cycles. That's yeah. on its way to you. Sylvia, thank you so much for listening. Have a great Valentine's. Amazing. Boom, boom like that. Casey and Ross in the morning. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Turning loyal listeners into winners. On Quartz 96 FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Call us as keep the negative negativity for yourself on the weekends. You can't win, can you? You just can't win. Some mornings, you're upbeat. And people say, ah, it's easy for you with your job and all this. And then you accept and you allow people to that it is shit sometimes. And people are telling you, shut up and stop complaining. You just can't win. Keep the negativity for yourself on the weekend. We want some light entertainment. We want you to bring us up, not down. You've had your light entertainment. I've done the, just been talking about bloody Netflix. And I'm recommending television programs. We want you to bring us up, not down. I started with some of the best figures we've had in months. Oh. <laughs> Sometimes I just want to stick my head in my hands and... Anyway, 185715. Right, you want a bit of uplift. Supposing you got a pizza. All right? So someone ordered a pizza and sent it to you as a Valentine's gift. Stay with me. Stay with me. They sent you a pizza as a Valentine's gift. You didn't know it was a Valentine's gift, I think, until you opened it. And you found it was in the shape of a heart. Now, it looks like a gorgeous flipping pizza, I might tell you now. But it's in the shape of a heart. And inside in the box, when you open it up, on the lid of the box is written, Will you marry me? Now, that's an unusual way to propose to anybody. Katie from Oak Fire Pizza in Clonakilty Apartment. Nels, Katie, it looks like an absolutely gorgeous pizza. Good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? Good, good, good. So someone rang up and asked you to do this? Yeah, it was, um, to be honest, it was a lovely surprise for us as well to be able to get involved with it, you know. But um, it was one of our regular customers contacted us a few days before Valentine's Day. And he had two questions for us. The first was, could we make a pizza into the shape of a heart? And the second one was, could we write a personalised note on the box for him? So, of course, we said we could do whatever he needs because we've done the heart-shaped pizzas before Mm. last Valentine's Day as well. So it was no problem for us to to help him out, you know. So 
turned out that he was surprising his partner with um, a proposal. So we were delighted to to be involved, you know, and it's got a great response anyway. We asked him if we could put a a photo of it up on our own social media and sure everybody loves the idea and is tagging each other saying, why didn't you think this? So maybe there'll be a few more going out next Valentine's, who knows? Yeah, so I was wondering, was there a ring concealed in it or was it... (laughs) No. We weren't involved with the ring at all. No, we just delivered the pizza. So I don't know what way he. Because uh, <laughs> I had thoughts of someone <laughs> putting no. a, putting a ring into the mozzarella and hoping it wouldn't fall out on the way out the road. No, I don't think we take responsibility for that now. No, no, and, him, and, yeah. and was his was his proposal accepted? Do we know? We did get feedback. Yeah, it was a yes. So um, good. They're very happy. Yeah, it all worked out very well. So. All good news around Clonakilty anyway for the weekend. Good, because some of the stuff that I saw about it was, if you did that to me, I'd bet bet you over the head with it. (laughs) Yeah. I think some people liked the idea and some people thought if you ever do that, I'll definitely say no. So I I guess... uh, I I think that was a very creative idea. We did too, yeah. We loved the idea, so... uh, What's on it? It looks gorgeous. It's the Italiano pizza, so it's uh, our fior di latte mozzarella with our pizza sauce and basil. Deadly. So it's uh, a, the the Italians' favorite pizza because it's the most kind of authentic Italian one yeah. that we have on our menu. So uh, we made sure our chefs made it look perfect for them anyway. Ah, yeah, it looks <laughs> fab. It looks you know? fab. All right, listen, lovely, lovely to talk to you. And uh, by the way, I'd say I'd say the takeaway bit. Pizza business is is at least one that's having a, a bit of a boom with lockdown. Yeah, it was originally. Now, like we are kind of working really hard to keep things going and you know keep keep everybody involved and trying new new things and new offers to keep everybody interested. You know, yeah. um, but look, we miss our customers being able to come in and eat as well. Yeah, so we're hoping. It won't last too much longer, but I'm um, sure we're still there for takeaway and delivery anyway, at least. Good for you. All right, and happy to plug that. That's Katie from Oak Fire Pizza in Clonakilty. And if the couple involved would like to talk to us, then we'd love to talk to them. 1850-715-996. Quickly, must remind you again to join Trevor Welsh at 96am.ie this coming Saturday for the, the Premier League live online, exclusively powered by TalkSport. Good lineup for Trevor again this Saturday coming. Southampton against Chelsea, half 12. Burnley versus West Brom at 3. Liverpool v Everton, Merseyside Derby at half 5. And Fulham against Sheffield United at 8 o'clock. It's the Premier League Live online with Now TV. Stream all the action from Sky Sports on the Now TV Sky Sports Pass. And listen in Saturday on the Cork's 96FM app or indeed... 96fm.ie and the app is where you can also go to to catch up on our podcast of this program which is ready for you every day by early to mid afternoon. Catch it first on Twitter we tweet the link once we're done and then it goes to all your various platforms and if you subscribe to it on any of the platforms it just pops automatically to your phone every day and it doesn't cost you a penny piece. 1850-715-996 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids the place to order your 211 Toyota see lehanmotors.ie Simon Murdoch and the best music mix weekdays from midday on Cork's 96FM I've got you a brilliant giveaway today all you have to do is get saucy plus the big tunes Ed Sheeran Rihanna Lewis Capaldi all in there for midday on Cork's 96 FM. This is Cork's 
Gold. Imro award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Quartz 96 FM. Talking last week to uh, Councillor John Maher about illegal dumping on the north side and we were talking to him after we spoke with Nicole on the programme one morning who was at her wits end with all sorts of stuff being dumped into her garden and being set fire outside her garden and she's still having problems. We, We may talk to her again at some point but despite raising it on the opinion line and everybody hearing it, she's still having some problems, uh, but unfortunately due to work, she can't join us at the moment. Maybe when she's working a different shift, we'll be able to talk to her again. But it started a broader conversation anyway with with Councillor uh, Councillor Mar that morning, and loads of pictures coming to us every day. And on page nine of the Echo today, there's a shocking photograph of rubbish left in black bags in a laneway in Blackpool where dumping has just become a common occurrence and it is it is disgusting to look at and for for years people have been calling for CCTV to be installed at litter black spots now okay you might say well that'll just cause them to take it somewhere else but it'd be a part of the solution at least it would help at least wouldn't it uh, councillor john maha good morning to you good morning good morning pj how are things good um, where are we looking yeah. at these Oh, well, look, I suppose the important thing at the moment, uh, PJ, is that I, I, I'm always slow to put up, you know, when, when the picture, and I understand why, why, why papers and, and people do it, because unfortunately, um, uh, illegal dumping is everywhere across the city. Genuinely, I, I don't think there's any one area that's better than another, um, which is a bad boast. Um, it is a bad boast, and I suppose as, um, as an elected um, representative, what frustrates me is that the idea that we're doing the same thing over and over again. Um, so where, where that comes into mind is that my colleague, um, Senator uh, Mark Wall, um, you know, we, we've got these answers back that local authorities, um, uh, because of GDPR, can't use footage and all that. And I suppose what, what, what the legislation he's bringing in is that is a, will allow local authorities to use the footage. Now, look, let's be honest, we're not going to have a camera on every uh, every lamppost across the city, just like we're not going to have a dog fouling bin in every footpath across the city. But we're going to be very, I suppose we're going to be very strategic about this should the legislation uh, be, be, be implemented that allows local authorities to put cameras in places and find the culprits. Because at the moment, we see it, people are dumping uh, like I, I mean, I, I, I could give you plenty of examples, but it's ruining communities. Um, mm. And again, uh, I suppose pre-COVID, um, pre-COVID, what was happening was the excuse was GDPR, and I think that's a nonsense. No, I mean, if you, if somebody got a smack in the head on Patrick Street, that footage would be used in a court of law. Absolutely. To bring, to bring, to bring the to bring the, the 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 person that dug somebody to court and to bring him to justice, and I think no, we need to be using, uh, and that's hence the legislation point is that we need to pass that legislation so that councils can use it. And I, I've heard, I've heard all the excuses, you know, oh, you may wear a hoodie or you know your face may not be seen, 
But on the other side of it, you may get your edge. You know, mm. you may get your license plate. And yes, it's not going to be perfect. Um, but again, I think... Um, I think that we need to be more. I think we need to be. We can't keep doing the same thing over. Come here, Britain. John. Isn't isn't GDPR an awful flipping millstone around our necks on so many levels? Uh, agreed, PJ. Agreed. But I suppose what we're doing now is, is that what 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 um, what Mark's uh, legislation is asking is that what we, what we're finding out is that. It, 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 it's not, it can't stop. It can help us as a council to stop illegal dumping. You know, I, I suppose it's all how you interpret it. Um, and what we're finding, and, and Mark is working on, is that we can use this footage. This is a crime. This is ruining communities. Mm. And we need, we need to use um, CCTV. I believe it's only... John, uh, one of the, it's I don't know whether this has occurred to you, but in the middle of a pandemic, this could be an absolute public health hazard. Supposing someone dumps their rubbish and they are infected, you have infected rubbish in the street. Listen, uh, look, uh, yeah, absolutely, I suppose. It's a public health hazard. hazard. Uh, it's a public health hazard with COVID or not. He says, yeah. You know, let, let's, be under no, let's be under, you know, like no illusionary, it is a public health hazard. No, but what I'm People thinking of is, what I'm thinking of is someone who comes along and, and dumps that... And, mm. and they're either carrying or breeding COVID-19 and then some poor misfortune on a council crew has to come Absolutely. along and pick it up and, and he pick up the virus from the surface of the bag where it can last for some time and he brings it home to his 92-year-old granny and we're in serious trouble. Agreed, 100%. And I suppose, PJ, if somebody is listening, like that's the extent of what, like that's what your actions are doing. You know, we've had this conversation only two weeks ago, and I suppose where I'm coming from, PJ, is I don't want to be talking to you in 10 years' time about the same problems. I think that would be a waste of, of my time as a public representative. Um, I think it's a waste of your time. Um, and I think this legislation is allowing for, to empower councils um, to, to solve the problem. You know, it's the same with the dogs, the dog fouling. It's very similar. It's a form of... It's a form of things that are destroying the community, and we're sick of talking about it. But we now need to empower. Um, you know, I got a, I got a, I got, we got information back last week through Peter Horgan, my, my colleague on the south side, that there was four fines since 2017 mm. of dog fouling. You know, yet we know places are being plagued by it. And the bottom line, as a public representative, is we need to, we need to get, we need to get bylaws in that empower. Um, that empower the dog wardens yeah. or that empower the litter wardens that we can get some action that the bottom line is that until we hit people in the pocket you know it's not going to stop this illegal yeah. dumping and I suppose this legislation is asking for CCTV we know now we can have smart CCTV uh, like, like we have with, 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 with speed uh, speed vans with, you know they can, they can alternate yeah. so like we're not saying you know we can alternate these cameras we can have them in various black spots it's not a case of no with smarter technology it's not a case um, that you know it'll be in one place and that's it yeah. because we, we know 
you know, people are going to be a bit more cleverer than that. Yeah. We can, we can they'll know where the camera, if they're fixed cameras, they'll know where they are and they'll, and they'll just find somewhere else to dump. And that is coming before the Shannon now, Senator Mark Wall. Just before I let you go, John, um, we've seen the list of, I don't know if you've been across this one, but we're seeing the list of vaccination centres. Um, and Cork has three, all of them on the south side. North side snubbed again here? Okay. Should there be one up in St. Mary's, for example? Here, here we go. Um, you know what? Like, this is a problem. Like, and PJ, I don't want to be going down the north versus south side and all that nonsense in the middle of a pandemic. But, I, I mean, when you look at it, though, you can't blame people. South Dock, like, I remember being... I remember when, when South Dock came up last year, one of the first out of the traps, and I was told, ah, John, give over. This is just during a pandemic. Be a bit more understandable. You know, 12 months on, still no sign of South Talk opening. The responses back um, to the HSE have been absolutely disgraceful. Um, you know, when, when we talk about the north side and, 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 and what it, the area that it covers, it's a lot more than what people give it credit for, you know. Cork North Central goes out as far as Mon Abbey, over, over to Glenville, yeah. uh, Carrigmavar and all in. And to say that we don't have... Um, um, to say we don't have a vaccination centre, you know, is a bit frustrating, you know, on top of everything else, yeah. you know, on top of everything else. And I think um, I would be calling on, on on government. Again, there's enough of them in there. Um, there's enough of them in there to give us a voice, you would think. But we just don't seem to be getting a fair crack of the whip, you know. Okay. Um, and I would say, again, that it's time, you know, that, that the representatives... And this isn't... Uh, PJ, again, I get frustrated because you, you, you'd appreciate it um, in your position. Coming on the radio either and saying the North Side have nothing doesn't do anything for the North Side either. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. But uh, they, were, they were very blatant. If they're going to give Cork City three centres, do you think they could put one of them up to... St Mary's, for example, or, or somewhere like that. John, I just, wanted to, I just wanted to see what you thought about it before I finish you. So thanks very much. That's Councillor John Maher of the Labour Party. Uh, this he, he, Senator Mark Wall of Labour is bringing legislation through that would enable the council to put up CCTV to catch people dumping illegally. Because at the moment, you can't because of flipping GDPR, which is a load of old nonsense. And poor Nicole, who was on with me here a couple of weeks ago, she's still plagued. And maybe we'll get to talk to her again someday soon when her work schedule allows. Gavin Riley uh, of Virgin Media has just tweeted that Norma Foley is telling cabinet colleagues she's hoping for the phased return of all students to school starting on the 1st of March. Now, there's no detail on what the phase is, how long it will actually take but she's saying she is hoping for the phased return of all students to schools on the 1st of March. Ian O'Reardon, who is Labour's education spokesman, and I believe himself a teacher in a past life, he welcomes this, if it can be delivered, but it must be done in a sustainable way and not lead to further closure. Also still lamenting the lack of certainty for leaving certain junior certs about formats of their exams. That's also supposed to come up at Cabinet today, Norma Foley is supposed to tell uh, the Cabinet what she's decided to do with regard to the Leaving Cert. It's only, and I can actually drag it up now because I set it on my phone last night, it is now, I'll tell you now, it is now 113 days to the start of the Leaving Cert. 
and the junior cert and they still don't know the students what exactly is going to happen and most people can see that that's not good enough. Absolutely, it's a pandemic, it's a changing situation, it's, it's different this week than it was last week, it'll be different next week than it is this week, but still you expect your people, your leaders to lead, to make decisions. Put it this way, would Jacinda Ardern leave students hanging out like that? Down in Blackrock last evening, two people came in and dumped rubbish. There was six or seven CCTV cameras around the place. They put one bag in the big skip and then they put the other bag over by the hut. This caller went for a look. There was a broken toilet in among the rubbish. When you think of the point there that I made about council workers having to deal with that and not knowing what's in it. Yeah, there's the point. 1850 <laughs> Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. Oh, that's the comment of the week, of the month. I'm going to keep that and do, and do it at the very end. Stephen has made a comment about vaccines and vaccines changing your DNA. Oh, Stephen, that's a winner. Fergal, put that one on the main screen for me in capital letters just there at the end so I don't forget to read it. 1850 Tonight is pancake night. Um, I, someone was giving out yesterday on Twitter that we call it by its proper name Shrove Tuesday of course it's Shrove Tuesday tomorrow is Ash Wednesday but it is pancake night and I used to be a fellow who would run a mile from a pancake but you know your tastes mature uh, over the years and I, I prefer the savoury one now to be honest with you than the sweetie ones but still, we'll have some. Gareth Carberry is the executive head chef with our friends at Clayton Hotel Cork. Gareth, good morning to you. How are you doing? Nice to talk to you today. And delighted to have you on the show. Are you a sweet or a savoury man? I would definitely be a sweet. Would you? So what would you do? Yeah, yeah so um, the recipe itself, what I use, and I even use it at home today, would be uh, 100 grams flour, two eggs, 300 uh, mils of milk, I use butter instead of oil, and then I use 30 grams of sugar. Now, obviously, if you had the savoury, you take out the sugar and you put in a nice pinch of salt. Yeah, yeah. I, so that would be the main difference. That That's too much um, sugar for me, because I'd put this, even with that, i put the sweet stuff into it. Like, you, it's, the, the amount of sugar is a debate people have every year, isn't it? Of course it is, yeah. And the, the, the debate about pancakes, how you have them, do you have them thin, do you have them thick, uh, the toppings that go into it. Obviously, now with everybody... But a lot of people being uh, plant-based diets, you know, they're substituting the uh, milk then with um, plant-based milks and stuff like that. So, mm. yeah, there's a lot of debate about pancakes, how you like them. But You again, can't actually substitute up. the egg fratten, though, can you? No, you can't. So we put in uh, baking powder. So it's self-raising flour and baking powder that they'll use then to bind it together. Gotcha, gotcha. Fresh fruit, cream, that kind of stuff, is that popular? Yes, it is indeed. Yeah, so we'll have a, a special on tonight, and I will have it with uh, Chantilly cream. So it's cream with some powdered sugar in it and some vanilla, and I'll have fresh berries with it. So that's really typical. And then some, uh, I'll sprinkle over some honey on top of it. You'll be in so, a diabetic yeah. coma by half six <laughs> <laughs> with all that sugar. Well, it's one day of the year that you can go and treat yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can can you can you make a meal out of pancakes, or are they just an addition to the meal? No, you can. Um, there is a lot of people that even breakfast time, they'll actually have it as a meal. They'll have pancakes, but they'll have it with bacon. Um, oh, and that lovely. is the real American style, that oh, they'll have lovely. it with bacon. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then they'll even, even t- as you say, in the sugar rush, they'll actually uh, cook the bacon in maple syrup and then put it on top of the pancakes. Yeah, there was a lovely one I saw done. Um, it was called a double-double, where you did a really flat, really thin pancake, right? And as it was cooking, what you did was you had on another pan, hey, posh people have two pans, you had a few, <laughs> you had a few rashers and sausages. Right, yeah, so you j- into the pancake, roll it up fast, and and throw in a load of red and browns. Oh my God, it's beautiful! Gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. People will experiment, right, left, and center. The, the quick yeah, recipe. Uh, you know, is it better to make it from scratch or buy them things in the bottle? To be honest with you, it, it all depends on the actual person itself, on you and and your time. Like the the mix that's in the shops that you just add a bit of water or milk to. Um, you can even jazz that up a bit. You know, you can get that mix. You can add a bit of milk to it, but you can add vanilla to it to give it that little bit of spring. You can add herbs. You know, you can add things to it. Um, so like it always is. As a chef, I would always say make it from scratch because you have complete control over it. Um, but again, it's up to people nowadays. Unfortunately, domestic lives now are very busy. So sometimes it's easier for somebody. Somebody might feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. Um, you know, but I'd always say just try it. It's a very straightforward, simple recipe. You know, the only things that I'd sort of my tips if you're making it um, at home by yourself is always sieve the flour. And uh, so when the flour is actually in its container, sometimes there's lumps in it. Yeah. And them lumps you won't get out when you're beating. Right. So um, I'll sieve it out so it's nice and fine. Yeah, nice and fine. And then with, um, you'll always add your dry ingredients first and then add your wet into it. And this will help then to stop forming any lumps because you're adding the, the liquid to the dry gradually. Gotcha, gotcha. And do you, do you cook them until they're a little bit crispy or do you just take them off? Yeah, so basically, obviously, it's a good non-stick frying pan you're looking at. I buy one every year just so it's nice and uh, fresh. Um, but yeah, so... When you actually put the batter on the pan, you'll see the edges will start to form and start to get dry, but you'll see bubbles yeah. that's in the centre of the pancake. So when them bubbles start to burst and um, and then you'll see the edges getting a little bit brown, you should always just flip it flip it then. Yeah, uh, and then try and get it off the ceiling yeah. with the spatula, I know. Well, that. this is the uh, year of you miss the pan, pick it up off the floor. <laughs> Gary, good to talk to you. Enjoy, enjoy the evening. Thanks very much. Gareth Carberry, Executive Head Chef with our friends at Clayton Hotel Cork. Whatever way you have your pancake tonight, enjoy. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Takeover on Quartz 96 FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire off. Tick tock, Takeover. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Story. Corks 96FM. Yeah, Netflix recommendation. I mentioned it earlier on. I watched it just, we're watching it over the last couple of nights. It's only a four parter. Uh, Cheat is very good. And also, there's a new one. It looks like White House Farm. White, I may have the third word wrong, but it's White House Farm. And you think, is that some American thing? No, it's a British cop show. And by all accounts, it's going a storm on Netflix. And if you're looking for a good movie to watch, uh, you'll find it on one of the streaming 
services. The new Wonder Woman is brilliant. I'm telling you, I kid you not, the new Wonder Woman is brilliant. Right, Nicole, uh, what's your chat up line for me? Good morning. Morning, how are you? Um, if I could rearrange the alphabet, I'd put you and I together. Oh, past the sick bucket. Oh, but, no, disgusting. <laughs> but you're our winner today with the Clayton Thank Hotel Cork, the overnight stay in the balcony room, dinner for two, and complimentary access to the club. And of course, you can hold that voucher till whenever the hotels are open again. Perfect. Thanks a million. Delighted. Cheers, Nicole. Well done. Thank you. 1857-15996. Stephen says, those who think the Pfizer vaccine will modify their DNA should see it as an opportunity. I love it. The Opinion Line. Corks 96 FM.